Hello and welcome to Out of My Mind Box, a podcast about intuitive eating and mental health. Today I've got with me Xenia Ayotis as part of our intuitive eating series. She's joined me on a few of these uh, episodes and Xenia is a certified life coach, intuitive eating counselor and mindful eating coach. Xenia, would you like to say hi? Hi, and Anka, it's so good to be back here on the show with you. And thanks so much um, to everyone for listening. And thank you for inviting me. Cool. Great to have you. I just want to start with a quick disclaimer. Um, Please note that the information in this podcast or video uh, might not be suitable or apply to you, depending where you're at in your mental health or eating disorder diet recovery journey. The information is for educational purposes only and not meant to be a substitute for medical or psychiatric advice. Please consult your healthcare practitioner before making any changes. Thank you. Okay, so today we are talking about principle number seven. We've already gone through six of these. So if you are just joining this podcast now, I'd recommend that you go through and listen to episodes one through six, and uh, then you can come back and see what number seven is all about. We've been building up to this, and our principle today is cope with emotions without using food. Um, and is, is that the, the right latest terminology as well from the latest version of the book, Xenia? Well, in the fourth edition, they've changed it. And it's now called Cope With Your Emotions With Kindness. Mm-hmm. So, um, I'll read it. It's... First, recognize that food restriction, both physically and mentally, can in and of itself trigger loss of control, which can feel like emotional eating. Find ways to comfort, nurture, distract, and resolve your issues. Anxiety, loneliness, boredom, and anger are emotions we all experience throughout life. Each has its own trigger and each has its own appeasement. Food won't fix any of these feelings, It may comfort for the short term, distract from the pain, or even numb you. But food won't solve the problem. You'll ultimately have to deal with the source of the emotion. Right. So I thought I'd start with a little anecdote from my own childhood um, related to this principle. And I was about five or six years old. And my mom was a dieter, let's just say that. And she, she struggled with eating disorders. And a lot of that kind of seeped through to me and, and my sibling. And I think I must have picked up some coping mechanisms from her behaviors. Um, because the first incident in my eating problems history um, was at this time we had some caramello bears in the house. They're these chocolate, chocolate bears, yeah, with the soft caramel inside. And we had a whole box full of them, um, which was unusual in, at our house. We didn't really keep lots of sweets. And one day, I think it was an afternoon, and everyone was, off, was just busy doing their own thing, I went into the pantry, and I took a couple of car- car- caramello bears and gobbled them up and enjoyed them very much. And then I just had this strange compulsion that I needed to get more caramello bears because it was making me feel better. 
And I don't know exactly what was going on emotionally for me at that time, but I do know that it was a bit of a tumultuous time with my mom's mental health. And this might have triggered that. So I ended up eating the entire box of Caramello Bears and then trying to hide it by taking the box and putting it behind the couch, hoping no one would notice. <laughs> um, this pattern continued throughout my childhood years. I was once at my aunt's house for Christmas and there were chocolate balls on the tree as decorations. And um, I ate all of those and blamed it on my little cousin. So I always seem to have this binge eating tendency. And I truly think that from that first incident, that the reason why I reached for food was because there was some sort of emotion I was trying to cope with. And the action that I decided to take at the time that I had in my little toolbox as a kid was let's eat something. So let's just talk about um, maybe why is it not a good idea to cope with your emotions with food and when is it okay? Okay. So I, I think that, okay, let me phrase this another way. Sorry. I'm just gathering my thoughts. I think if you need to cope with using food, it's okay. There's so much shame around emotional eating that we internalize it and think we are so bad for coping with food. We believe that we're weak and we lack control and we should be on top of things. But the reality is for most of us that we haven't really been taught how to be with difficult emotions. Many of us don't even know what those emotions are. We just know that we feel bad. So the metaphor um, I like to use, and it actually comes from an author called Anita Johnson. She wrote a wonderful book called Eating in the Light of the Moon. So Anita actually uses this metaphor that I borrow a lot. And really what it is, is you fall into this river and you're drowning. And along comes this log and you grab onto this log and this log helps you through this raging river. It keeps you afloat. It keeps your head above water. It helps you from drowning. Mm -hmm. Now that log is food. It's food to comfort you in difficult emotional times. So if you have used food to help you cope, it's okay. You reach a point, though, when the thing that you have turned to to help you then almost works against you. Mm -hmm. Because after you get into the habit of every time you just have one little inkling of an uncomfortable emotion, you turn to food. And then the amount of food that helped you initially is not enough, and then you turn to more and more, and then that leads to bloatedness, physical discomfort, um, and that's when it starts not to serve you. Mm, mm. But if food has served you in times of crisis and in times of difficult emotions, see if you can see it as a coping tool rather than a coping failure. Mm. 
So in the same way that we would use medication for a headache or backache or stomach cramps, sometimes we turn to food to cope with difficult emotions. Let it not be seen as a failure. Because, mm. you know, the, the original title of the principle, cope with your emotions without using food, sounds like an all or nothing yes. statement. And that's why they changed it. Because we shouldn't yeah. turn it into another should or shouldn't rule. And eating for emotional reasons can be totally okay. Um, so, yeah, that's, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, in my journey with intuitive eating, when the principle was cope without turning to food, um, I had such a hard time with it because I would beat myself up every time I would eat because I was bored, I was stressed, I was anxious, or I was lonely. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was thought, oh, I'm failing with this tool. And then when I started doing the course and I became certified and started working with clients, I changed it to cope with your emotions with or without food. Can you find other things to cope? Mm. Is there something else you can do? But if you need to cope with using food, use food with Mm. no shame, Mm. with no judgment. And I love that what they've done here is say cope with your emotion with kindness. Because if you think about it, if you're having a difficult emotion, say you're feeling stressed, anxious, lonely, you're already having such a hard time. Yeah. And now if you're adding judgment to, oh, well, I can't use food or I've used food and you're hard on yourself because you used food, it just, it becomes even more difficult. Yeah. I've had this experience myself with um, semi-mindful emotional eating. Most of the time, when I'm emotional eating, I want to do it mindlessly. I, yeah. I, don't, I don't want to be mindful about it because I'm trying to get a, I think a, a dopamine rush or something. Like I'm trying to get that hit of something to, to calm me and settle me from whatever that emotion that I'm feeling. So changing it to being allowed to use food to cope with emotions sometimes opens you up to really embracing that food at that time fully and getting the full benefit out of it rather than doing it mindlessly because you're trying not to think about the fact that you're doing it. Exactly. So typically when people eat to cope with emotions, they're going to do it in like a frenzy. It's going to be done fast and furious with a lot of food and they just want to zone out. Mm, It's almost like you want to get it out of the way as well. Yes. Exactly. There's a, there's a sense of urgency to it. Mm. Um, so one way of doing it mindfully and with awareness is to recognize that you're having a difficult emotion and, well, I'm going to turn to eating to cope with it and mm. then slow the whole thing down. I mean, it does take practice. It's easier said than done. But to recognize, okay, I'm feeling anxious or I'm feeling stressed I'm going to eat this chocolate to cope with this emotion. And then at least you can enjoy the chocolate. Mm, Exactly. Um, So that is one way uh, of doing it. But, you know, a lot of the time when people are eating to cope with their emotions, they're not even aware of what they're feeling. They're feeling something that they know is unpleasant. And it's almost as if people go into fight or flight when they feel this feeling because 
it's like this danger. Mm. And so you've got to escape it. And the way you're going to escape it is you're going to fight it or you're going to fly away. And how people then do it is through, in, in, well, in, the, in intuitive eating, it's through eating. But sometimes people will turn to shopping. Sometimes they'll turn to drugs or alcohol um, or work. There are many ways to distract and numb ourselves from our difficult emotions. Definitely. And food and eating is the easiest way. Yeah, I um, we haven't mentioned it, but it, it almost goes without saying that um, food being used for comfort is from infancy. There's no getting away from it. Every yeah. single one of us was pacified mm -hmm. with food at some point or another, whether we needed the food or not. Yes. <laughs> so that habit yeah. is ingrained. Um, mm. And we learn tools as we grow older to diversify the ways that we deal and cope with our emotions. So I think that's the goal here is to not to cut you off from emotional eating, but to widen your range of tools um, that you have for coping with negative yeah. emotions. I mean, if you think about it, food is emotional. There's, there's, it just is. Food is about connection. Food is love. So when we are babies and we're crying, you know, our caregivers, our mothers are going to give us milk. Uh, the first thing they do is check, are we hungry? And they'll offer us milk. You know, but sometimes what we're needing is a change of environment. Sometimes babies need a hug. Sometimes they need a nappy change. But the first thing our mothers or caregivers do is to offer us milk. And then if you think of it, when you're growing up, you fall and injure your knee. What happens? You get offered a lollipop or an ice cream. Um, food is used to reward us, to bribe us. Oh, if you do this, then I'll take you for ice cream. Yeah. Or, oh, well done. You did so well at school. Here's a lollipop. So as you're growing up, you get all these rewards um, with food. And so those thoughts and patterns are ingrained from a young age. Definitely. So how do we actually look at, um, there's a continuum of, of emotional eating, right? As, as uh, specified by Tribali and Resch in the intuitive eating book. And they identify five types of emotional eating from starting with the least intensive one to the, the highest intensity one. And I thought maybe we could just talk through those. Um, so I'll just name them first and then we can, can talk into them a little bit. So there's sensory gratification, then comfort, then distraction, then sedation, and finally punishment. So as you can see, it goes up and up every, every step clo closer to a negative kind of outcome. So mm. let's start with sensory gratification, essentially eating for enjoyment and pleasure. And I think this is a very normal and encouraged part of intuitive eating. Um, it, it's not only harmless, but it's super helpful in making peace with food. So sensory gratification in terms of emotional eating, I would say is not something to worry about. Yeah, I mean that in an emotional context, what that would look like is, so you're eating to get pleasure. And as human beings, we are wired to avoid pain and seek pleasure. 
That's the whole crux of emotional eating. We feel a difficult emotion and we then want to run away from it and seek pleasure. So when it comes to sensory gratification, it could be a milder emotion. So you're somewhat bored or you transitioning from one task to another or you procrastinating and then you think, oh, let me go and make myself a cup of tea and I'll have a biscuit and which is bringing yourself a little bit of pleasure before you settle down to go and do the next thing that you've got to do, which maybe is a little bit unpleasant and you don't really want to deal with. Yes, yes. Um, so, or you're watching TV and you want some added stimulation and you think, okay, let me have some chips or some popcorn while I watch this. And so you're doing it. And sometimes for some people, it's a bit boring just to watch TV. So let's have some added pleasure to it. Mm -hmm. So that I think would fall under that sensory uh, gratification. Yeah. yeah. Um, the next step up is eating for comfort. Mm -hmm. um, which is also a fairly benign type of emotional eating. Um, it's when we're in a stressful or emotional time and maybe just eating your favorite comfort food at the end of the day um, or, or eating something really hearty when it's cold or, or that kind of yeah. thing as well. So that comfort would also be, you know, a comfort food. So you've had a long day and all you want is something that is comforting for you. So typically people like lasagna, macaroni cheese, like a casserole, or I mean, it varies from, from person to person. No, you're spot but, on. It was exactly that that was going through my mind. I was thinking mac and cheese. It's normally something. Lasagna, lasagna will do. Yes, absolutely. So, um, so that is like a comfort, but also it can be like a hot chocolate. So maybe mm. it's, oh, a student. it's cold today. Exam, yes. Exam times. And you want like a hot chocolate with some cookies mm. um, or you want some chocolate or just to eat some chocolate. And that, you know, that sugar creaminess is going to comfort you, your stress and anxiety, um, preparing for your exams or preparing for a stress, um, for a test, or even as you've grown older, maybe you've got a presentation the next day or you're preparing to give a talk or something and you're going to be wanting to have those things. Um, and that's for comfort. Cool. So, I mean, both for sensory gratification and comfort, you're kind of still, these are, these are the seen as, as not so bad kind of emotional eating. Uh, ways we'll get into a, a little bit further now um, but up until now there hasn't been much of a escape uh, element in these these two things it's been more about uh, seeking pleasure um, mm. looking looking for that pleasure which is not a bad yeah. thing at all then we come up to distraction so it starts having a little bit of a negative connotation here because we all know trying to be mindful most of the time uh, being distracted is is a way of escaping from your your current situation um, and it's quite common Pe some people don't even realize that they um eating to distract themselves um, but you can usually sometimes when you say you eat out of boredom 
it could actually be for distraction as well. Right. Mm. Yeah. So distraction, I mean, look, I would hesitate to call any emotional eating bad because ultimately really what it is, is a coping tool which taken to extremes can have negative consequences. So the distraction bit is things are coming up. Normally what happens when you get to the point of eating for distraction is there are multiple factors going on. Um, it might not just be one thing. It could be a combination of factors like you're tired. Uh, so that's a physical thing. Um, possibly overwhelmed. There, or there are a lot of emotions at play. So there might be anxiety. There might be uncertainty. There might be a little bit of fear. And so you want to avoid feeling those things. So you eat to the point of distraction. And mm. then what happens is you eat, you almost in a fog or completely, you've gone unconscious. You kind of know what you're doing, but there's a level of being um, unconscious through it. But that's the whole purpose of it is you don't want to feel. You want to distract yourself. You kind of want to zone out. Um, and after that, and, and that in a way soothes you from the other stuff that's going on. Mm-hmm. So, after distraction, there's a more intense form of emotional eating, and that is sedation. So, eating to sedate yourself. I've had this personally um, when I, I feel like eating copious amounts of chocolate, knowing that there will be a crash afterwards, and I'll pass out on the couch most likely while I'm watching whatever I'm watching. Um, mm -hmm. So, my my body has, like, I say my body has asked for it, but I guess my, my emotions and my mind have, have asked for it before to say, I want to feel numbed out and not really feel anything right now. And that is a way that you can do it with food. Yeah. So this really, the sedation part is almost like giving yourself an anesthetic with food. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that would typically look like a binge mm -hmm. where you would eat a large quantity of food, it might be a variety, but you are eating to the point of like extreme fullness, major discomfort. And the purpose of that is to put yourself into a food coma mm. Mm. to that extreme so that you don't feel, you know, at this point, you just want to go numb. It's all just too much. And to be honest, for people that have, like, that are trying to cope with trauma or deep emotional issues, food sedation yeah. might be the best mechanism that they've actually got to cope at that yeah. stage. And that's Absolutely. okay. Yeah. Yeah. So not all of us are, are taught to cope with stressful feelings with food. So not everyone gets to this kind of level of, of uh, emotional eating. But I think a lot of people do experience it um, in this also way. what I think can happen with the sedation um, piece is if you have a lot of forbidden foods and you're feeling deprived so say you've been dieting plus you add to that maybe trauma or an extremely difficult week or things that you are dealing with like it could be a divorce loss of work 
um, difficulties at home, you know, um, then you, and this very often happens at night for a lot of people, is people will then, it will just all become so overwhelming. Um, you know, you may have been good on your diet throughout the day. Come the night, it's all just too much and it's just bring it on and you eat to the point of completely numbing yourself where you feel completely physically bloated and uncomfortable. The food has numbed you. And then very often what happens at this punishment stage is people will beat themselves up and mm. will then be so cruel to themselves and feel such shame and judgment around the eating. But yeah. that beating themselves up then further distracts them from the core emotional issues. Mm. So you've got the food as a sedation, and then you've got the beating yourself up as a further distraction. Mm-hmm. So we've got these different ways of, of emotional eating, and there's also different things that trigger uh, emotional eating, common emotions such as boredom and procrastination. I know that's a pretty big one for me, Um, just using food as a way to pass the time or putting off tasks that you don't feel like doing. Um, I I found it um, surprising to see that excitement could trigger emotional eating. Yes. Yeah, I never never thought of it in a positive sense. So that, that's interesting. Um, you know, like, think about it. When you're excited, when you're happy, I know some people don't eat when they're happy and excited, but many will use food in a way to ground them from that mm. excitement. Or you might use that, you might use food to celebrate in that happiness and excitement and then just go, oh, well, who cares? This is such a happy moment. I'm not even going to worry about it. And then you eat to a point of... Um, sedation. Yeah, yeah. And then the big ones, anxiety and depression. (laughs) Um, It's not uncommon for people to turn to food for soothing both of those kind of emotions and states of mind. Yeah. So especially now during this pandemic, I have found that people who don't have an issue with food have been turning to food out of boredom and also to soothe anxiety and uncertainty because we're living in such uncertain Mm. times. So anxiety particularly is a big one for emotional eating because if you think about how you experience anxiety, I would say that for the most part, and especially the clients that I work with, they experience anxiety in kind of their belly area. And it's like a constriction It's like a tightening. And very often, if somebody is not aware of the emotions or how their body feels physically, they are going to think that that anxiety might be hunger. Mm -hmm. So that's the difference between, knowing the difference between physical, biological hunger and then emotional hunger. And Mm -hmm. recognizing the difference between how they experience anxiety in their belly and how they experience biological hunger. And so the minute people will feel things in their belly, the instinctive reaction might be, oh, I need to eat something. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. 
one more um, a positive way of, of uh, that your emotions could trigger emotional eating is feeling the need to connect to people. So when you're wanting to be part of the group um, and, and prolong the dinner or lunch or whatever that you're having with your friends or yeah. family, that can also be definitely. So connection is a biggie because love and connection I would say is one of our basic human needs. Mm. And if you think about this lockdown period, a lot of us have been deprived of connection with others. Yes, some of us have been alone. Some of us have been lucky enough to be with families, but maybe not with extended family. So in a way that need has not been met. And when we eat emotionally, under the underlying reason is an unmet need. So really what we need to be looking at is what is the unmet need? It mm. could be for excitement and pleasure and connection and variety. Because, you know, if you're not getting enough of variety, I remember, uh, and this still applies to me, is when I'm not having fun and it's all work and no play, my fun then becomes M&Ms, chips, Food becomes my fun. So it's really about diversifying your fun. And then prior to finding intuitive eating, um, I was in a line of work that didn't fulfill me. So there was a lack of purpose and meaning. Mm -hmm. And when you find that purpose and meaning in your life, that in itself can lead to less emotional eating. So most of us have this hole in our hearts mm -hmm. and we turn to food to fill that hole in our hearts. But we don't know what that hole in our hearts is. And it's really about finding, well, what am I truly hungry for on a deeper level? Mm, definitely. So that brings us to how do you actually start dealing with emotional eating? So no, I don't I say, I don't say, how do you fix it? <laughs> Note. <laughs> so how do you, um, how do you live with it? How do you make it work for you? <laughs> well, I would say number one is give yourself permission to cope with eating. Okay. So if you are feeling anxious, if you're feeling stressed and you want to eat, eat. Don't take the option to eat away because that's just probably going to fuel wanting it even more. So if you want, the first thing though is awareness. I'm feeling bad. I'm feeling bored. Mm -hmm. If you can identify the emotion, even better. So recognizing, what am I feeling? Am I hungry or am I not hungry? Seeing if you can get to the emotion. Sometimes it's going to be difficult, but you know, you can go, am I anxious? Am I angry? Am I lonely? Am I bored? Those are the common ones. Mm -hmm. And then go, okay, all right, well, do I want to eat to cope with this emotion? If the answer is yes, then go ahead, choose what you want, choose, it, choose something delicious that you're going to enjoy and eat it. Mm. But if you can find something else to do, so the other thing you can do is say to yourself, well, what can I do in addition to eating? So very often the way people phrase this is what can I do other than eat? But then there's a part of you that's deprived because there's that part of you that still wants the chocolate. Yeah, yeah. But maybe you can say, I can have the chocolate or whatever it is that you want. But what else can I do in addition to eating the chocolate? Because then your mind 
actively starts looking for alternatives. Because mm. if you say, what can I do other, then you're thinking, oh, but I want the chocolate, I want the chocolate, I want the chocolate. And you're not actively exploring other avenues. Yeah. Yeah, so it's so um, difficult sometimes to try and speak up and ask for help or ask for what is needed. So that takes, takes a bit of, um, I think, maybe practice as well is um, being able to ask for what you need when you need it from those people that can give it to you. Yes. So I was working with somebody who at work, every time um, something would happen in the office uh, where she was uncomfortable, where she was asked to do something or put into a situation, she found it very difficult to speak up. And so immediately she would go to the vending machine and get a chocolate. Mm -hmm. So we worked through this and, you know, we worked on other ways that she could handle it and how she could put a boundary in place and say no or speak up. So what she was actually needing was to speak up and be heard and express how, you know, this could be solved or this issue at work. And Mm -hmm. the minute she started doing that and found ways to express herself, there was less of a desire to go to the vending machine and buy chocolate. Mm. That kind of just highlights to me the the, the pacifying um, aspect of, of eating. It, it kept her at a place where she felt okay, but wasn't moving forward. That That's kind of why you maybe well, want to explore I, other ways. Mm. Stuffing that chocolate down instead of speaking up. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, so I think all of these steps can take time to practice and get better at. Um, mm. And it's, it's really about being really kind to yourself. I think kindness is the key word in this principle. Cope, cope with your emotions with kindness. And to remember that kindness can include many different coping mechanisms, including food. Yes. So what I'm going to do, Anka, is share with you a worksheet that I use, which is called the 555 worksheet. Um, And it's based on, um, it's adapted from a worksheet by Susan Albers, who wrote an amazing book, by the way. I think it's called um, 52 Things You Can Do Other Than Eat or 100 Things You Can Do. Um, So it's, it's a worksheet that you can look at where it says five things you can do to distract yourself, five things that you can do to relax you, five things you can do, places you can go to, people you can contact. Mm -hmm. Um, And just sitting down and getting to know what your triggers are for emotional eating. Mm -hmm. The minute you know what triggers you, you are then more able to deal with it. And then if you can have a plan in place in addition to eating, Mm-hmm. things that you can do and that if you've got that ready so when that time comes you can go all right i can eat the chocolate i can have this or whatever but i can also go and get my blankie i can also go and play with my dog mm-hmm. um, i can call a friend or whatever it is that you choose to do yeah and then uh, as with most of these principles, if, if you've been using food to cope for a very, very long time, um, it's going to be 
second nature to you to turn to food automatically and not necessarily even think about these other um, options at, at the beginning. Um, so be gentle on yourself and ease into it and try and just bring that awareness as a first step um, to be aware of when are you using it to cope with your emotions. I think the main thing also, the, exactly what you're saying there, Anka, it's the reason we turn to food is because we're in pain. Mm -hmm. And that we are turning to food um, to cope. So it's really, really about being kind, curious, get to the bottom of what is it that you're needing and talking to yourself in a very gentle, kind voice and saying, hey, sweetie, what do you need right now? Mm -hmm. a bit of, do a bit of mothering to yourself. <laughs> Absolutely. Very important. Absolutely. All right. Well, I think uh, we've covered most of what this principle is about. And if any of our listeners have had some experiences with emotional eating, we would love to hear about it. If you've got any questions for us as well, please do email them to me at anka at outofmymindbox.com. That's A-N-K-E at outofmymindbox.com. And um, before we go, Zen, is there somewhere that uh, people can get a hold of you if they'd like to make use of your services? Yes, so uh, my website is www.theartofmindfuleating.com and my email is zen at theartofmindfuleating.com, zen spelled X-E-N. On my website, there is a blog on how to eat emotionally mindfully. So if you want to turn to food to cope and you want to do it with awareness and kindness, there's a step-by-step -step process on there in the blog section. So if readers want to turn to that for support, it is available there. Perfect. I'll put that in the show notes. I'll put a link to that blog. I'll right. go and find it. Thank Perfect. Thanks, Cool. Thanks again for joining me today. And we're going to be back again next week to discuss one of my personal favorites, respect your body principle number eight. So I look forward to that and we'll see you again then. Bye-bye.